Oh, I'm so inspired and excited for you to hear today's At the Table episode. Today, joining me at the table are two of my most incredible friends, powerful, beautiful women, and two people that have inspired me and helped me so much in my life in the last few years. I'm really excited that you're going to be hearing from Reese McGilley and Abiala Akani about settling into us and taking up our space. You know, at the table is a lot about creating conversations where we feel safe enough to talk about the spaces we've moved in as women from different places in life and throughout our lives, really, as we evolve. And today's conversation really brings that to life. It is such an honor. These two women are trailblazers, change makers in the world, just the way they are, the way they move, the way they create. It's inspiring. People just can't help but stop and look at what they're doing or listen. And that was my experience. So I'm excited to tell you a little bit about Reese, who is one of my best friends. Like Reese is everything to me. (laughs) I just love her so much. Oh Lord, where do I start with Reese? Reese has over 30 years of experience and is a true thought leader. She's worked in across the sectors of technology, marketing, analytics. She's a data journalist, scientist, all the things. She began in software engineering, actually, but her destiny brought her to working in analytics and data science. She gets to blend her passion for creating great human experiences with her interests in data and analysis. In addition, she is also a certified yoga instructor and spends much of her spare time teaching yoga. She's leveraged her skills throughout her life and her career to really further a lot of philanthropic causes. She serves on boards and steering committees for a few different nonprofit organizations in Seattle. And she also currently serves on the board of Community Passageways, which is a nonprofit focused on felony diversion and prevention with a vision of ending youth incarceration. She resides in Seattle with her two children, husband and three dogs. Her husband's a Sagittarius like me, so we often bond over the craziness that Sagittarius is. <laughs> Reese holds the space for all that Sagittarius is. Oh, I love you, Reese. Thank you for being here today. Abiala, oh, get ready. Get ready for B. I call her B. Abiala is a leader in the field of yoga. She has successfully cultivated very inclusive wellness spaces throughout her life so far, and she just encourages community in all the things that she does, especially when it comes to an individual developing their personal yoga practice. She is the Nigerian-American yoga educator and the creator behind Yoga by Biala and also the founder of IA, which is an online platform offering non-performative yoga. B is committed to disrupting commercial yoga standards that blot out othered communities and prioritize fitness-based poses over adaptable asana. Her inclusion message encourages students to be who they are on and off the mat to embody non-performative living. Oof. 
non-performative living. Here's to that. Here's to that. And that is a lot of what we talk about today when it comes to settling into us and taking up our space. We also touch a lot on the cultural shifts in beauty in general, and not just outward beauty, but beauty as it is, beauty as we are, beauty that runs through us and is within us and on the outside of us, and how we can start to look at the world through the lens of beauty, all beauty, and how we can start to see ourselves as beautiful. That was really moving in this conversation. I was certainly tearing up. And we also talk a lot about yoga and nourishing movement and redefining, I hate the word exercise, as I've mentioned before, redefining exercise as movement and really what it means to infuse wellness into your daily life as true sacred ritual, as time with yourself. And all of this is so that we can finally settle into who we are, that we can finally stop changing who we are. We are not here to change who we are. We are here to become more of who we are, to become our fullest embodied expressive selves and to take up space. Here's to taking up more space. Take up space this week, next week, and forever. Enjoy today's At The Table. Hello, hello, and welcome to House of Low. I'm Lo, and I am on a mission to create safe spaces to help every single woman on this earth feel her power, live from her truth, find her magic, and discover a love for herself so deeply that it opens her up to love others, step into her purpose, and live life abundantly. I'm so excited you have found your way here. Thank you for joining me. Here we go. I am so excited for this conversation, the third at the table episode from House of Low with two of the most powerful women I know and who have impacted me in ways that I cannot express in words. So here we are, get ready for the magic that they bring. Today's at the table is on settling into us and taking up our space. I'm so excited to introduce you to Reese McGilly and Abiala Akani, who are here to talk about all the things that come with settling into us and the the winding journey and road that it takes to get there. So thank you both so much for being here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Yay. I would love for you both to just give a quick intro and who you are and all the amazing work you're doing in the world and all the things. Hey, y'all. That's Reese McGilley. I'm a friend of Lauren. I am a mom. I work in analytics for my day job. I'm also a yoga instructor and I'm a collector of many hobbies. I like to do lots and lots of different things. And I'm just really happy to be here and happy to be included in what Lauren is doing. Hey, y'all. My name is Abiala Akani. I am the creator behind Yoga by Biala and also the founder of the non-performative yoga and education platform known as IA. And I'm also a friend of Lauren's. And Reese is actually one of the facilitators for EI as well. So I know them both 
very well. And I'm looking forward to having this, this conversation today. Mm -hmm. Thank you both. And what's amazing and how I always say we come full circle, Reese introduced me to B. So here we are full circle and it's so beautiful. I think women are in this space right now where we need to come together. <laughs> that is for sure. And I'm so grateful, Reese, that you introduced me to Abiala and all that you do. Be you inspire me so much. So, and you're doing really powerful work in the world, which I can't wait to talk about in this conversation. So to get us started, I ask six rapid fire questions, which I love the responses because everybody's like, where'd you come up with these questions so far? So I'm excited and I'm going to get right into it. And then we'll get into the flow of this conversation today. So the first rapid fire is give me one word that describes you and your essence. I'm going to go with analytical. Yeah. Mm. I can be quite pensive. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's authentic. That's the that answer is really all. <laughs> That's what we're about here. Okay. Okay. Second rapid fire. What's your mantra for life? This is a new one for me that I've really been uh, leaning into. Time is a finite resource. Mm. So, limited time. So, we have to make really great choices about how and intentional choices about how we spend it. Mm. So beautiful. Mine is full expression. Always find full expression. I'm always trying to find full expression in everything I do, whether that's full emotional expression being really sensitive or full jovial expression, happiness, full. I just want full expression. Oh, I felt that deep. Yes. Yes to that. Okay. Next question. What ritual makes you feel gorgeous? Oh, I love like hot soaks, like going to different spas where they have all the different pools. Yeah. Yes. What, what is that called? Something therapy, hydrotherapy, Hydro, yeah. you know, Hot water, cold plunges. I love just kind of going to those and walking around nude. I feel so beautiful in my body. Hmm. Being in those spaces, that is definitely like a ritual that I really feel, I feel really beautiful in. Hmm. Love that. For me, I think I feel a ritual that I feel makes me feel beautiful. Very similar answer. It's taking baths. Like there's something about the way I see myself after like a really long soak, you know, your face is like flushed and your body is relaxed and there's this ease that like that critical eye has melted away and you just feel very like free and easy. Even if you're the only one who can see yourself, it's just, I feel fully in my body in those moments. So I think that's what it is for me. I feel that. And water too. Water is just so healing for us in our body, especially. So, so beautiful. Okay. What is an action you took recently that came from a place of abundance? Ooh, I invested in cryptocurrency. Hey, yes. Check, check. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving it. doing that and not doing it from a place of abundance, not a place of lack. Cause normally I would be like, I don't have it. I can't do that, but it's something that excites me and that I want to like lean into. And so. Love it. My husband and I recently bought a new house. So I guess that's yep. very Cheap. literal. 
financial abundance, although not so much anymore now that we spent all the money <laughs> on the damn house. But I'm really excited about cultivating this new space that like my family can be in and feel comfortable in and it's bigger than where we live now and just everybody being able to have room and space to like move around in a way that we can't right now where we currently live. So making the mental leap to do that, you know, moving out of the city and into an area that is not so urban is also part of that journey too. So walk through the door of abundance with that house. (laughs) Amazing. So, oh my God, I love it, love it, love it. What is something that can always be found on your table? Any table. Water. There's that water. Always water. Somewhere. Yeah. Wherever I am, there's some a jar filled with water, a water bottle. Water. You're so hydrated. That's why your skin's always glowing. <laughs> Word. My answer should be the same as Biala's, but it is not. <laughs> That's a problem. That's a different episode of House of Love. This is weird. I always have lip balm. I'm one of those people who's like obsessive. I have it in my car. I have it in all my bags. I have it on my desk. I have it in my room, in my bathroom, in the kitchen. Like I have it everywhere <laughs> that I go. Very random, but yeah. Oh, not I random. Like, I like hydrated lip. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. I have them there everywhere. I'm with you on that, Reese. Okay, last rapid fire. What nourishment brings you the most joy? Could be any way you nourish yourself. Not just food, but if it's food. Yay. (laughs) I feel so nourished when I'm with like my kids and my husband and we are outside like in nature. I feel like my soul is deeply fed from that. Those moments really, really sustain me through for a very long period. So I seek that out quite a bit. And I am always so happy for those moments because everybody, we're all happy in it together and we all feel happy together. So. Yeah, very so, nourishing. So present together, I'm sure. Because that's what nature does, right? It's so mm-hmm. um, I would say community or people. It, it has to be like people who feel that you really, really can undress with that. Like I just really feel nourished in those settings. And like I can feel myself really relaxing. Yeah. So I would say like community. Yeah. Mm, thank you. I was just telling Reese before we started recording, the phrase settling in is a phrase Reese said to us. Do you remember B in conversation? I remember. Yeah, in San Diego. And what's weird is when I was preparing for this episode, I thought that dropped right in. And then I remember, I was like, oh, Reese said that. And Reese, what you had said, which stuck with me so profoundly was at some point in your life, and I'm paraphrasing, but at some point in your life, you just start to settle into your life, into who you are, into the people you're with, and you just feel settled. You're not striving all the time and always looking back or looking forward. You're just here because that's a struggle for me. And it really stuck with me. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the journey coming back to ourselves and, and coming home and how you both have navigated that journey back to yourself and this way of being of settling in. I also remember that conversation of Reese saying that she doesn't feel that I am very settled in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Like she can sense that energetically and it's very true. So I feel like I'm still learning how to settle in. I'm still learning how not to strive. I find that, I mean, time is multidimensional. 
but for a long time, it was one dimensional for me. I only saw time one dimensionally, like forward and forward casting and shooting for the future and living in the future in my head all the time. And time has recently become two dimensional where I feel like I'm on the other side of time where I'm not forward casting. And it's, it has brought a contentment I've never experienced before. I'm still quite overly ambitious, but I feel just an increment more settled where I'm not living so much in the future and I'm content with where I am right now. Mm. And that's one aspect of this settled or settling into my body, this feeling I'm currently embodying. And within that, it's allowing me to not rush so much. It's brought a belief that, and I didn't quite really believe this before, so I felt like I needed to rush it. Things will happen in their time. People say that all the time, but I, I really do believe it because I believe it myself. I trust myself. I, I have the worthiness to know that I can invite that in, in so many different areas, financially, in my work or my business, in partnership. So it's just, I feel like I'm on the other side of time. Wow. That's really powerful, B. Yeah, so much of that is resonant. And to be clear, you know, even when you settle, there is still sort of the intellectual desire to strive, to push, to rush ahead. I definitely have these moments that I go in and out of where I feel like I'm so focused on what's next. And then I like can like kind of zoom out and be like, oh, wait, I'm like missing what is while I'm like obsessing about what's next. And I'll say that like coming to that, it wasn't like I'm so enlightened, you know, it, it is through grief that I have found that settling, you know, the grief of watching, I'm at an age now, you know, nearing a half century of existence on this mortal coil, right? And I am at the age now where parents are aging and facing their mortality and their bodies are unraveling, right? Their physical bodies, their mental state is unraveling and really recognizing that like, oh, wait, like, what am I waiting for? Because if I'm waiting till then, like maybe I don't get to do it. Maybe I don't want to get to experience it. Maybe it's happening right now mm -hmm. and I need to just be in it. And then the only other thing I will say about it is that I, and Biala knows this, I really find so much comfort in the yoga sutras, which are an ancient text that's part of foundational to the practice of yoga. And I read them every day. And in them, there is that, you know, there's a lot of talk about the ability, you know, higher consciousness coming through this place of allowing yourself to blur the gap between your individual self and the universe. So realizing that there is no I anymore. You are part of everything and everything is part of you. And the settling for me, the grounding for me comes from that. I'm connected to everyone. Everyone's connected to me for better or worse, right? So settling feels like Moving away from the ego, the I, what am I trying to do? What am I trying to achieve? How am I trying to individuate? And into the collective consciousness, the collective existence, and being grounded in the place that I'm in. 
and whatever gifts that might bring me and whatever shadow that might bring to and that it's all part of it. I don't have to run from it. I can sit with it and be in it and it will still be okay. Yeah, that's like a mic drop moment. And I think being grounded in where we're at, that really stands out to me. And even just one concept that's really been very healing for me or way to look at life is like, there are seasons of life we go through. There's just seasons of sometimes light, sometimes darkness, sometimes tough times, sometimes really, really good times. And I keep coming back to how my deepest desire is for us to move in peace with that and to also not always be waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, I think it's really hard to settle in, quote unquote, to be happy. I've been in places where I'm so happy. And even now I'm in the best place in my life I've ever been. And there's that little voice that's like, "Uh oh, let's wait a second. You know, you never know if it's going to all come crashing down. And I, I just believe that, you know, whatever we've gone through, If we've learned the key lessons and we've done the healing, we're not going to necessarily go through the same thing again. There might be new challenges, but I've made peace with just the past shadows to your point, Reese. And I would love to just hear from you both because I admire you both so much. And I think in the different ways that we've gotten closer and worked together as well, I've seen you, the way I see you both is that you take up space in a very unapologetic way. And it's not an in-your-face way at all, which it would be fine if it was, but it's it's such an ease. It's like, I look at you both and you just move through life with such ease, you know? And I think you exude peace, to be honest. And I think that's why you're so gifted in what you do in healing other people through yoga and through facilitation and all of that. So I would love to just hear about what you think it means to take up space and How do we get more and more comfortable with taking up space as women? (laughs) How much time we got? I mean, it's such a multi-layered question. Taking up space requires such a deep self-intimacy, which I feel like it goes beyond like self-love. We use a lot of cliche terms, you know, like self-love and self-care and stuff, but no one really knows what that embodied, what that feels like embodied. And I look at like intimacy, it requires such a deep, intimacy, like to see into yourself, to be able to give yourself permission to take up space. And I think you have to give yourself permission. So many times we don't walk in with permission. We walk in resistance quite a bit. I can't do that because I don't want to be perceived this way. I don't want to do that because I don't want to like look like this. And you kind of walk through your life thinking like that more than you think like permission. I'm going to do this to do, you know, and that's permission. I equate to expression. I want the most fullest expression of anything that I do. I don't care what it is. If I'm doing a drug or doing something else, I'm going to give myself to it to the fullest extent. And to take up space, you have to give yourself permission and you have to be really honest of how much permission do I walk in or do I walk throughout my life quite resistant And if you resist and contract yourself most of the time, there's a lack of self-intimacy that you have with yourself. That's a conversation that you have to have. So many ways that you can begin to have that conversation with yourself. Reese and I use the sutras or other spiritual practices to really begin to have that conversation. But there's a self-intimacy that needs to begin to be had in order for you to give yourself permission to walk in permission. Permission is space. 
that's a process. That's a, a journey. It takes some time because to be self-intimate requires you to see into yourself and see aspects that you're very ashamed of to begin to look at that and not be so critical just requires a practice of repetition of doing it over and over and over again. And it's not going to be very comfortable in the beginning, but it will be healing in the end. And so I think it's important to cultivate that level of practice, that level of, of going inward. There's really no way around it because permission is an external thing that's first experienced internally. You take up space by knowing the space in your own body. Then you can take up space externally. You command that when you walk around, people feel it. Uh, they feel the bigness of you when you have explored your your own being internally. Wow, B. Self-intimacy. That is a whole mood. <laughs> and I never thought of it that way. That is so powerful. Everything you just said, I feel like I was just expanded and there were like higher beings in the room. I don't know. Like, this is what I mean. Like, I think this is where we're going deeper because I agree with you. Self-love. Like, what does that even mean? Every episode I talk about self-love and I always say, what does that even mean? I don't think we know. And I think you hit it right on the head and the internal permission. I never thought of that. I mean, how could we ever express ourselves and settle in externally when we're so at war with ourselves. And as women, I think it starts a lot with our body. We're like at war with our body through the different lenses we walk through life with backgrounds, race, weight, whatever it is. And it feels like women are just have had enough with the war that we are at with our body in many different ways. So thank you for that and sharing all of that. Reese would love to hear what this means for you. You know, was have been oddly thinking about this lately, just, you know, with the recent death, the passing of Bell Hooks mm. and her work, Margins to Center, about feminism. Yeah. And the reason why feminism needs to be a thing is because women have been minimized, told not to take up space. And specifically in the context of being a Black woman, straight up, we are unseen often marginalized, made to be invisible, right? Not allowed to take up any space at all. And historically, feminism has focused on elevating white women and excluded women of color, especially Black and Indigenous women specifically. And so taking up space, that word permission is really resonant because I'm not asking the people who have power to give me permission to take up space, I am giving myself permission to take it. And also being neurodivergent, a lot of what taking up space looks like for me is telling people what I need from them to be able to have a successful interaction, right? In the context of work, mm -hmm. setting boundaries, in the context of any interpersonal relationship, setting good boundaries, being clear about my needs. People have experienced that in all kinds of ways, some great, some not great, but it is what I need to be my authentic self. I can't be real. I can't do my best work. I can't be a good friend. I can't be a good parent. I can't be a good partner if I cannot take up space that way. Mm -hmm. Like it just doesn't work. And so while initially that was done out of like, 
literally I'd be like, I don't understand unless I have this accommodation or I can't navigate my way through this unless I have this accommodation or this space is made for me. It now is a place that I feel very comfortable in and I'm okay with. And to the point about it manifesting in this like physically bigger, but tangibly bigger way. It's so funny, this thing that has happened to me for years, where if there are people who I've only met over Zoom or video, and I finally meet them in person, one of the first things they always say is, oh, you're so much smaller than I imagined you. <laughs> for, for the people who are listening, I'm 5'1". I'm so... <laughs> which I always thought was funny. And I'm like, what do I have an unusually large head? Like, what are you, what are you <laughs> reacting to? And I honestly think it is that I am not afraid to take up space, right? Yeah. So you are expecting me to be this towering giant. And then I show up and I'm a tiny black lady and you're like, oh, that's weird. And it's such an interesting thing about people's perceptions and yes. what they have in their mind about what space I should take up and what space physically I do take up. So anyway, those are my somewhat meandering, circuitous thoughts about that. But I, I'm in a place where I actually like taking up space. Yeah. And I don't feel like I can fully relax and ground until I can. I mean, I love that in terms of being really specific about what that looks like for you, Reese, how you detailed it. Taking up space for me involves communication and conversation around, hey, this needs to look like this, setting some boundaries in order for me to feel like I can show up. And I think that's an area that I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to really communicate my needs and my boundaries effectively with the people that I'm around. So I feel comfortable to take up space with them. I can take up space in my own body all day. But I still am learning how to confidently express what my needs are so I can do that more boldly around people. I think that's really important. you got to be able to set those boundaries, set that, I'm not going to say container, but set the space that you need to take it up. And whether that be with like your partner or your family, I'm learning how to do that with my mom and my sisters right now. And it's very uncomfortable because I've always just let them take my space. I've never set up for myself with them. And so that's so important, especially moving into partnerships or whatnot, where you are sharing a physical space yeah. <laughs> and friendships and getting older and, and really wanting to create healthy friendships. So I, I really hear that. I hear that too. And it's such a good point because we often give in to people around us sometimes, whatever capacity. And I've learned a lot of very hard lessons in friendships specifically around the space I didn't take up and the space I allowed other people to take up in my life. It wasn't a reciprocal thing. And this is like when I was very young too. In giving, we receive. However, if we're overgiving, we slowly like lose ourselves basically, you know? And I think that's a big tenet of taking up space is knowing or not knowing, but it's like trying to find the flow between the giving and the receiving, you know? And I think as women, we're, we're often overgiving, you know, to everyone. And even in work, we let work take up way too much space. And I think that's shifting now, you know? And so it's so beautiful. I love that you both called out relationships and what you ask of others and boundaries, which is some of the hardest lesson but the most critical it feels with taking up space. So I want to shift to talking about 
beauty standards. And I love B that you, you touched on this a little bit. And even Reese, when you were saying like people's perceptions of you and, and all of that, this is something I'm going to talk a lot more on the podcast about. It's probably the most difficult and intimate thing for me to talk about. Talk about self-intimacy B is body image. It's something that's plagued me my whole life. It's been a very big challenge of mine because I don't fit into the standard at all. And I mean, fuck the standard. And it's, I believe it is shifting, right? Because there's just so many ways to express in the world. And I think all women are so fucking beautiful in so many ways. And I just want to like amplify that conversation versus the one paradigm of what beauty is, right? But I'd love to hear what you think some of the biggest cultural shifts are in beauty standards. And this could be physical beauty, you know, emotional, like just the whole concept of beauty as a construct, if we will, what do you think is shifting? Are we, are we hopeful? Are we, is it kind of in the in-between right now? Would love to hear your take on this. Just what immediately comes to mind for me is the idea of not optimizing to the male gaze at the age that I am as a, as you know, in my formative years, that was the standard. I'm sure that it still is in places, but the idea that we even can have really open conversation about choosing to adorn oneself, not because of what some man thinks of it. Like, what if we did it in a way that is like, I don't actually care if you look at me at all. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. To me, like witnessing the sort of, transformation from the space of everything being centered around male gaze to like it not is so incredible like you know people talk about the evolution of technology for me it's the evolution of like femme and like how it is being centered and without being put in the context of masculinity it doesn't need to be it is its own separate thing it's its own thing I feel like the moment when I like really that clicked for me is when I was pregnant with my first son mm-hmm. and I was a person who never thought of myself as beautiful ever. Mm-hmm. I have so many really negative thoughts surrounding how I looked. And then when I was about like in my second trimester and I had on this black dress that was very form-fitting and I looked in the mirror and I saw myself and it's like, oh my God. I was like moved by the sight of myself. Yes. And mm-hmm. I cannot explain to y'all how next level mind blowing that was to be like, I am beautiful. Like, why does what anyone thinks about me matter at all? It doesn't. It literally doesn't. And I don't know why it took me 33 years to figure that out. But that's how long it took. And whether it doesn't have to be about pregnancy, it can be about any moment. And, and so I just, I hope that fems who are growing up in this world now that they all experience that moment of really seeing themselves to me the the beauty is and i really see myself Mm. Um, and what is beautiful about me because to your point lauren we all have beautiful qualities yeah Mm -hmm. it's on point i think it's like to what you said reese Beauty not being like, I think the way it's expanding, it's it's not in juxtaposition to like masculinity anymore, which is really liberating and also goes with like expression. So there's so many before, like 
it felt like beauty was really linear. Like you could only express it in one way and it had to be in juxtaposition to the male gaze. And now there's so many expressions of beauty. So it gives you the opportunity to see all the different ways you can receive your beauty in so many like without having to be a reflection of like what men want. And so that's how I feel like it's growing. And I feel like the commercial beauty industry is somewhat moving. They're moving into it, but it's slowly it's happening like on the ground floor faster with a lot of like women and men. I think it's more expression of different levels of beauty, different aspects of beauty that you can begin to receive and receive it on a personal individual level. And like receive it for yourself. And that's like what it's been for me as well. Because I never grew up thinking I was beautiful. I was a very odd child. Very odd. And kind of odd looking. Kind of odd in how I carried myself. And it took me a while to like receive my beauty. And it's been bits of expression at a time. Like not all at once. And that's what the journey has been for me. And it's compounded over time. But it's been like bit by bit like learning different aspects of myself and seeing that as beautiful and not being in just juxtaposition of what a man liked, just me learning it on my own. Right. Even that alone is, is the process. You're so right, B. Like we have to learn on our own what our beauty is. And if we can't see it, it's a very long, painful road to ever experiencing what we deeply desire in life because we basically push it away because we just don't feel worthy of it. Like I think worthiness goes hand in hand with a lot of beauty challenges women face. It's like making peace with the vessel we're in and that there's a reason we're in this vessel for this life, yeah. you know? And I feel like that's so powerful. And Reese, when you were talking before, I was tearing up and I felt I felt like there were higher beings in the room again. And I, <laughs> I have to say, you have created some of the most beautiful children I've ever seen. My life. Oh, thank you. There's that. And you both are some of the most beautiful women I'll ever know. And so it's really powerful to see you speak on this because I think there's going to be women listening that feel permission, feel like, when is the day I can finally make peace with how beautiful I am and actually believe that? And it's not just about outer beauty because we know outer beauty is just a reflection of the inner beauty, much like B was saying earlier, you know, the inner is what reflects in the outer. So thank you for speaking vulnerably on that. Both of you appreciate it so much. I think if you get your beauty from the male gaze, it builds self-confidence, but it doesn't build self-worth. That's right. Oof. That's Preach. a truth bomb right yeah. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the cycle, it's just a cycle. And then you run into the same and you're like, but if this person isn't giving me the validation, then what is my foundation? You know? So, Mm -hmm. oh yes. And you're going to adjust to the male gaze to get it, but it's going to give you confidence again, but it won't give you the worthiness because you're kind of, you're stuck in that pendulum swing. You always need it from that person or from the male gaze all the time. You never have it for yourself, which is a, is like a horrible trap to be in. Yeah. Yeah. And, And this leads me into my final kind of aspect of this conversation, which is about the rise of wellness really and wellness and sacred ritual and, you know, yoga, obviously, which is what both of you do and you teach it and you, you embody it. And I would love to have you speak on even transitioning out of the conversation of beauty, like how sacred ritual and yoga and nourishing movement has shifted your life and actually 
how it helps you cultivate settling more into who you are. And of course, taking up space. Biella knows how I got into yoga. The story she's heard before that I came to yoga through a fitness lens. A friend had invited me to join her for 6am vinyasa class, you know, strong, powerful flow yoga class. And I went and it was very physically challenging and I like struggled through the whole class. But I also remember at the end being like, oh my God, I want to do that again. And I never felt that feeling of like the duality of that was so hard and I struggled, but also I want to do it again. And she did not feel that way in <laughs> class, but I did. And so I kept coming back and I went every Monday through Friday for six, seven years. And then was like, I feel like I'm only scratching the surface of this. Let me take a teacher training. And I did, which is how I came to meet Abiella. And in that, had my mind blown with the understanding that yoga, the asana, postures, flow, the physical part of yoga is like a tiny slice. And that there's so much more, more than I have even still yet begun to scratch the surface of. That in and of itself is life-changing. And I'll specifically say one particular way in which it has changed my life. I have so many people, so much trauma from my childhood and how that manifested for a long time was quickness to anger, mm-hmm. rage, rage that was displaced from my inability to have been able to express it to the perpetuators of my trauma. And so needing to find a place to send it as an adult, right? And with yoga, realizing and having a conduit to manage and modulate that through breath, through surrender, through the physicality of asana, through study, through having another lens to frame what happened and how I can be about it. Those were gifts, right? Like they're gifts that I was given by coming into this practice and gifts that I now use as a parent and how I parent my children. Yoga influences how I parent. Yoga influences how I am a wife to my husband. Yoga influences how I'm a friend to both of you and to everyone else who I hold close and dear to me. I am not perfect. I never will be. I know that. But yoga is the mechanism through which I try to be the best that I can be. And I am not perfect, but yoga is. Anything that I cultivate through my practice is worthy of my time. It has only served me well. Thank you, Reese. That was so beautiful. I second what Reese said. I came through a physical practice, through the physical lens as well, several years ago. I just got in a car accident and I was already abusing prescription drugs at the time. And I got a lot more prescription drugs to abuse because of this accident. And my roommate suggested that I get out of that rut by doing yoga because I couldn't really be active in the way that I usually was. I've always been an athlete and it was transformative. It was, it gave me the tools to begin 
to process and discharge a lot of the trauma that I did not have the means of processing through on like without it. Childhood trauma, sexual trauma, like you're so full of so much dense emotions from that. And you don't have the tools. I didn't have a therapist at the time. I, I didn't think to go to a therapist. I couldn't afford it in college and all this stuff. And yoga began to provide perspective as to where things came from and how can I like sit and alchemize some of that? How can I transmute it? How can I move it? How can I discharge it? It gave me the wisdom Mm -hmm. to begin to do that on my own. And it continues to provide that lens, that stream of which I can process things through. It brought reflection. People say you should be reflective, not reactive. But then how do you do that? You you take these big concepts, but no one knows how to really embody it. Yoga gives you the tools to really learn how to be reflective on your own, with your own medicine, you know, and now everything I do, I reflect through yoga. I reflect through the yoga. It's like a second nature now. And there's just so the learning of yoga is is so vast. It's wisdom for moving through this dimension, through this world. And I try to reflect everything through that wisdom. Mm, Wow. I mean, and I I think also what I've witnessed from what you both do and how you embody yoga in your personal life and also professionally teaching it, I've witnessed there's a way you move in the world and even like in your body through the lens of, for lack of a better word, confidence. Like I think yoga, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does feel like as I dig more into it myself, there's a healing process that it, that can only come through it than nothing else. It's wild. And it's unique to everybody. You know, everybody that I know that does yoga has a different experience. And I think that's the point because it's moving through the cells in our body and healing the things like you both said that we didn't even know we needed to heal. And it's like interconnecting it all. And it brings it to the surface to transmute it, you know? So it's like the most powerful modality and way to move our body. And I think women are starting to really sit with yoga because the traditional working out exercise route, it it gives you that high and and it's good to get moving fast a little bit, but it really can kind of perpetuate burnout and perpetuate even some of the body image things. And I think yoga just allows us to settle in like nothing else does, like no other movement really does. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yoga is an ancient practice with just steeped in so much wisdom. And so you can't get that from a weight training class. You can't get that from like a spin class. It begins to reframe you at a cellular level when you surrender to like the deeper practices of it. And you can feel a little taste of it when you do asana. You're like kind of, it's like invisible. What is that? I don't know what that is. I feel so much more settled in a way that I could never feel in a different type of a movement class. And then when you keep going on that journey and exploring it more, it just gives you permission to take up space in your body because you are healing the areas that are taking up the space. (laughs) Oh my God. You know, you're healing the stuff that takes up all the space that makes you so dense and heavy. Yes. So you become lighter, you become light. Yes, and I would just add to what Yella said, which is so profound. 
yes, it's ancient medicine. Mm-hmm. It's an ancient life practice, right? That's why you can't even compare and contrast it to a practice that's purely physical. It's fully integrated, right? It is your breath. It is the essence of how you sustain your life, your mortality. It is the physicality. It is the mental, emotional place that you are. Thinking of how many times people have deep, deep emotion expressed in a yoga class, right? You're rolling around on a mat and you go into a deep hip opening and the like tears come flooding out of your body. That is real, right? I, you know, I'm not saying anything sad or to try to invoke that. That comes through the practice, the release, the surrender and witnessing that. Like, I don't know how you could deny it once you see it, once you experience it it becomes undeniable. Yeah. Wow. This is one of the most moving conversations I've ever had. And this is how us three roll. We go deep. I was going to say, usually when you invited the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like profoundly moved. I need to go meditate, journal, and do yoga right now. (laughs) I cannot express how grateful I am to even just know both of you, like to be in the presence of you, it's an honor. And I say that in the most authentic, truest as fuck way. Like, I just love you. And I, I just think that you both are bringing conversations to the surface and doing and making a profound impact on the world, whether you know it or not in every moment you are, and you have touched me deeply and challenged me to face myself in a way that I never did. So thank you. And thank you for being here and making the time. I would love for you to let people know where they can connect with you. Anything you want to drop that you're working on or that you're excited about, the handles, whatever we like to do. We know social is what it is, (laughs) but I would love for people to be able to find you and connect with you if they would like to. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Do you want to go, Reese? I was going to say, I have one thing to say. It's at Reese McGee. On IG. That's the only place I am. I don't really do much, much other social media besides Instagram. Get ready. And then I have Biala is like the social media maven. So get ready to see all of Reese's nature photos and videos <laughs> and the house she's in. You're going to be a little jelly, low key jelly. <laughs> yes, y'all. You can follow me at Yoga by Biala on all platforms. That's Y-O-G-A-B-Y-B-I-O-L-A. You can also head to Ia Well on Instagram. That's I-Y-A dot W-E-L-L for our non-performative yoga platform and education platform. If you are feeling called to be a 200-hour yoga instructor, myself, Reese, and I are hosting our 200-hour non-performative yoga teacher training in March of next year, 2022. So we'll be starting on March 1st and we're now accepting applications. We'd love to receive yours. And you can head to eawell.com for our online studio. Join us. Yes. Yeah. Ia is everything. I love you. <laughs> Check out Ia right now. <laughs> oh, I love you both. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to House of Low today. I encourage you to keep going. Who you're becoming is on the horizon and who you are today is a gift. 
Never lose sight that you are worthy of all that you deeply desire. Love, Lo. Love.